0: Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Dr. Bob. My actual real name is Dr. Robert Lahita, and I'm the chairman of medicine at the St. Joseph's Healthcare System, which is now affiliated with the Hackensack Meridian Healthcare System. St. Joseph's Health is located in Patterson uh, with the University Hospital and in Wayne, which is a community hospital also called St. Joe's. This is our first podcast and will be one of many. But this is one that is uh, pretty interesting. And uh, the reason I say this is interesting is because the recent news of yesterday was that uh, candidate for the Democratic Party, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, apparently suffered a heart attack. And uh, we know that uh, this can be very, very subtle and that campaigning for president in particular can be very, very stressful. And so I pose the question today, should our presidential candidates – be examined for health problems. I think there are many cases that illust- illustrate the fact that the presidential candidates and indeed the vice presidential candidates should be examined before election day for health issues, probably well in advance of election day, right after the primaries decide who are going to be our candidates for president from both parties. And this should be a bipartisan effort because. I always look at the president of the country as somebody who would resemble the president of, uh, of a Fortune 500 company like IBM or uh, Apple or Google, and we know more, we would not uh, hire somebody to lead a company if we knew that there was an impending health problem in their presentation or in their history, and I have many examples for that. I mean, John F. Kennedy, for example. Uh, was a presidential candidate who was quite ill during his campaigns. Uh, In the Massachusetts Bunker Hill Day Parade, which was in the downtown district of Charlestown, Massachusetts, he was in the parade. It was a very sunny and warm day, and many people fanned themselves while they watched this five-mile parade. After a hectic schedule of speaking tours and handshaking sessions and political parties, not Uh, party parties, but parties actually uh, with drink, with lots of alcohol. Uh, At the end of the parade, when Kennedy got to the end, his aide said, Jack is ill. Uh, The presidential candidate turned yellow, blue, and collapsed. And this is a historical fact. The crowds were there that murmured and worried that their candidate was very, very ill. He was not taken to a hospital Uh, but to the home of Bobby Lee, who was at that time a Kennedy aide. And the information at the time suggested exhaustion. Uh, Do you see the similarities to the Bernie Sanders campaign collapse? A more insidious diagnosis in the future was made well after he was president of Addison's disease, one that should have been divulged to the public long before the Bunker Hill incident and known by the Kennedy family since 1948. Imagine imagine that, 1948, and here we are voting for a president, and no one has any idea that Jack has a very serious medical condition, which, by the way, could be managed and, in fact, was managed throughout his presidency. So John Kennedy was seriously ill before he was elected president, and through most of his short time in office, his ability to lead and make decisions could have been impacted by his serious adrenal condition called Addison's disease. That's a gland over the kidneys, which is essential for the regulation of salt and water in your body, and under stressful conditions, that adrenal insufficiency can result in your fainting, becoming nauseous, sweaty, and actually collapsing. And we know what happens when somebody collapses. There can be physical damage, physical harm, and of course, uh, uh, strokes and all sorts of things can uh, follow. Uh, But we'll never know how Jack's physical and mental illness influenced his decisions. But we know that there are a lot of candidates for presidency uh, that had suffered significant medical uh, mishaps. Now, Bernie Sanders is an older gentleman who's running for president in the Democratic uh, Uh, primary right right now. And um, we knew he sat down, was exhausted, somewhat nauseous. And I'm told that there was some pressure in his chest and some pain down his left arm. And that was a sign. He had the good wisdom to ask for a chair and then told his aides that he was not feeling well. So he wound up in the hospital. And we now know that he had the electrocardiographic tracings that suggested he was having an acute myocardial infarction, which means the death of heart muscle. And that death of heart muscle could have resulted in an arrhythmia and a cardiac arrest. And a cardiac arrest would have been a catastrophe because depending on how close you were to a defibrillator, a machine that regularizes the heartbeat, or how close you were to the hospital would determine whether you were going to come out uh, with your full mental faculties or wind up in a coma. Uh, So we have had illnesses of many candidates seeking the highest office. President Woodrow Wilson stands out as another example who had multiple uh, strokes, uh, both before his election and after his election. He had high blood pressure, and in those days it was very difficult to regulate blood pressure. There were very few drugs other than phenobarbital that could do that. And um, he had been incapacitated during his full term in the White House, and his unelected second wife, Edith, was in fact the person that uh, ran the country. So she might have been our first female president. One does not know uh, what degree she actually made decisions for Woodrow Wilson, but uh, history seems to indicate that she played a major role. And then you look at Franklin Delano Roosevelt's polio, hiding both his braces and his wheelchair for fear that the the world would see him as debilitated and unable to govern. He was a magnificent president, no doubt about it, but throughout his presidency, no one would see him in his braces and his wheelchair. That was all hidden so that he would govern with authority and with power. Now, Dwight Eisenhower is another one who suffered health problems. His were high blood pressure, abdominal pains, intermittent fevers. And after the election, he actually had a coronary thrombosis, uh, much like Bernie Sanders, and a, and a, which is a myocardial infarction. Eisenhower, throughout his presidency, suffered from a bowel inflammation condition called regional enteritis, Crohn's disease, to those of you who know it. And he also had a stroke, a cerebral occlusion. All of this was kept hush-hush during his presidency and before he was elected. So let's face the fact that these guys and ladies are all human, and they all suffer the same illnesses that we all suffer. Uh, Presidential illnesses and health conditions have been kept from the public basically into Lyndon Baines Johnson's administration. Those of you who are old enough to remember LBJ, you remember him in the operating room where he invited cameras and he was having his gallbladder removed and in fact welcomed Princess Margaret with, uh, with his, <laughs> his operation. I think he showed Princess Margaret his operation, or at least there was a cartoon in the magazine to suggest that he had a scar on his gallbladder surgery which resembled a map of Vietnam. And this was but one other thing to cause LBJ stress during that terrible war. Uh, in the sixties, best documented cover-ups of presidential illness were also Grover Cleveland, the cancer of his palate that happened happened during the monetary crisis at the end of the last uh, the end of the nineteenth century, not the last century, the nineteenth century. His emergency surgery, believe it or not, was taking place on a yacht on the way to his summer home in Buzzards Bay, Maine. It was hidden from public view for decades. He, had he died or had he become incapacitated, it would have been scandalous, and it could have changed the course of the country by causing a major financial catastrophe, and that catastrophe was called the Sherman Silver Act. It was about to become law, and he was against it, and thank goodness for the surgeons that took this tumor out and replaced his palate with a rubber prosthesis uh, that prevented the finer final major catastrophe which had which had could have changed the course of history at the turn of the last century so people develop illnesses all of the time um, we had another example of candidates that really uh, succumb to one or another illness and you can look at that and those of you who are sharp can figure out that John McCain where he elected president would have developed a brain tumor in office aspirants like Senator Paul Tsongas, at the age of 55, died of lymphoma. Had he become president, the lymphoma would have happened during his presidency. Fred Thompson, 75 years of age, also succumbed to lymphoma shortly after after his failed presidential bid. Even vice presidential candidates like Thomas Eagleton, who was subsequently disqualified as a candidate because of psychiatric uh, disease, psychiatric history. So our history of our country is replete with examples of candidates being uh, affected by diseases that we all are affected by. Uh, We don't hear about most of them. We don't hear about their health conditions before they go before the public on election day, but we ought to. And my point here is I'm saying that we ought to have a bipartisan medical committee that evaluates the health history, and some of my colleagues have even suggested the mental history and the mental capability of our presidential candidates. Again, if they were going to become the CEOs of major Fortune 500 companies, we would demand that as stockholders. Well, we're stockholders in the health of our country, and I'm suggesting that that be accomplished. And this is Dr. Bob signing off here from northern New Jersey. Uh, I will sign off and I'll see you in our next podcast.